Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Dustin Levy, joined by my colleagues Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. Today we're bringing you a slightly abbreviated podcast uh, with the uncertainty around Hurricane Adalia. Uh, we know some schools are closed today, um, but we wanted to uh, bring you content anyway, just to recap week one games and look ahead, um, and we hope that everyone is staying safe. To start, Alex, you were at the home opener of the reigning state champs. Um, you know, they had a lot to replace from last season. Of course, I'm referring to First Baptist. What did you think? Uh, they looked really crisp and clean on the first couple drives. Pretty impressive. You know, it definitely came out with a scripted first drive, it looked like. Um, you know, Ethan Crossan was making the right decisions. Um, it was just a clean nine-play drive, and from there, you know, they scored on their first six possessions and, you know, just really pulled away. In the second half, uh, Billy Sprasio, you know, was kind of iffy about how his team performed. You know, he's like, kind of, I got to go back and watch the tape and look at, you know, what we did. Um, because they actually didn't score in the second half. And Estero kind of maybe made some halftime adjustments and, and kind of, you know, did a good job at, uh, you know, limiting the FBA offense. They didn't really have many yards in the second half. And um, so that was kind of interesting. You know, maybe that's just kids checking out because they know they're up 40 to nothing and the game will be over within the next 30 minutes or so. I don't know, but, you know, Estero kind of hung in there. Um, they, they got a touchdown with about just under two minutes to go, basically garbage time touchdown. Um, but, you know, FBA looked like FBA. They looked really strong, and they're off this week, but they did have some injuries, so we'll kind of have to monitor those situations. We know how much production that Jaden Booker and Olsen Henry uh, had on that offense. Um, just what's it looking like in terms of how they're going about replacing those players? Jaden Petit, uh, I mean, he's he's the guy mm. uh, out wide. He, I'll be honest, you could have put an 11 jersey on him, and I would have thought he was Olsen Pat Henry. That's how big and physical he's gotten uh, in the offseason. Uh, he looked really good. Um, you know, the big thing that I notice is that those guys can create after the catch. And that was something that, you know, you didn't really see a ton of last year is a lot of, you know, Olsen winning one-on-one balls and just taking it to the distance. Um, you know, Pettit created on a nice 84-yard touchdown where basically a screen pass or a curl route, uh, and then he didn't reverse field. He, he just found his way to the opposite sideline and made a few defenders miss and took it to the house. Was pretty impressed by that. Andrew Azunke, three catches for 31 yards on the day. Landon Wolney gets his first varsity touchdown, two catches for 40 yards. Um, Sam Sparacio, one of the injuries kind of to monitor, pretty dynamic back out of the backfield. Um, He had eight rushes for 88 yards and uh, a couple catches too. So, um, you know, they got a dynamic little offense with the guys they got. Obviously, you know, Estero kind of, I don't know if they're in a rebuilding phase, really. I don't know really what the proper terminology would be for them because they did lose Jason Ducona. Um, but, you know, they have some pieces back from last year. But, um, you know, I think they got a really good uh, test early on. Another one of our top teams that we had questions about replacing some of their, their seniors um, is Naples. They got a 43-12 win against Lehigh last Friday. Um, Dan, I was just wondering, have they kind of answered some of those questions? 
Uh, partially. Uh, they look they looked a lot better, obviously, than they did against Gulf Coast in the preseason when they only put up 14 points. Uh, they were without starting quarterback Jack Melton, who kind of aggravated a knee injury against Gulf Coast, so they went with a sophomore, Carter Quinn, who did a pretty good job uh, running that offense. They, they did lose a couple fumbles, including one in Lehigh's end zone. They did have a touchdown call back, long touchdown call back on a holding penalty, so it could have been, you know, maybe even a little bit more uh, lopsided, but, uh, I mean, the big takeaway is you know Sean Simeon is really uh, he it's his backfield this year I mean last year didn't really have an opportunity for obvious reasons that was a crowded backfield um, but he was far and away you know the best back for Naples um, had four touchdowns um, Naples went for over 500 yards rushing he had almost half that uh, he had he was the one who had a long touchdown call back or he could have been you know over 300 yards uh, so it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses uh, you know if he's able to to keep up that kind of pace um, Naples did have 20 penalties also uh, which is uncharacteristic for them so so there's still some things to clean up but offensive wise um, you know they did answer some questions Lehigh uh, on the other hand improved also from the preseason game against Cypress Lake where they had like 25 penalties uh, that really wasn't an issue against Naples they just had some issues with tackling in the secondary on some of those long runs, which uh, Coach Antoine Dixon uh, kind of attributed to the fact that they haven't really been outside practicing hardly at all. Uh, and I will, I will say out of Lehigh, it was boiling hot, even at 730. So I could see why they'd have issues getting out there uh, after school. But I, I think there'll, there'll be a team that'll continue to improve as the season goes along. And there is some promise there uh, with Dorian Mallory. Had a, had a pretty good game under center, made some good decisions as the game went on. Terrence Smith out wide is a real weapon for them. Uh, so I think both teams kind of improved from the preseason, their preseason performances. And we'll just have to see uh, you know, how, how it goes for Naples going forward if they're able to keep that up. Of course. And I was over at the Fort Myers-North Fort Myers rivalry game, the first game on the new turf field. At Fort Myers, it looks really great. The fans, you know, were out and celebrating, um, and the Greenies got a win to kind of uh, christen it. Um, they won 32-19 to against the Red Knights. Um, I want to start with the Fort Myers defense because that was the unit that really, uh, really impressed me. The North offense, you know, with the weapons that they have, uh, they didn't have a play over 14 yards. The Greenies did a good job of keeping everything in front of them. And offensively, I mean, you really saw the potential for Fort Myers. Um, that it just might be one of the deepest groups that I've seen. You know, I've only been here the last couple of years in terms of young talent. Um, I mean, it starts with Chris McFoley at quarterback who brings back the experience. But uh, Major Tucker <laughs> was unbelievable. He had two touchdowns. Um, he, he's just so good in space, so quick. Um, and he also had two touchdowns called back. But, you know, a, a lot of guys on that offense impressed me and had different moments. Frank Starks at running back, I, I think he's going to have a great season. Jaden German uh, at wide receiver. Alex Saluzma, and I, I could go on. I, I was just really impressed. Um, and North, what I'll say for them is that uh, that defense is going to be a problem. All three of their scores came off of turnovers, um, including a pick six by Jordan Carr, and uh, both fumble recoveries went into the arms of Adrian Stone, who, uh, as we've discussed on the podcast before, is just nasty and a game wrecker. Um, but it, it was a good, exciting game, good kind of befitting the rivalry. 
I was going to ask you, Dustin, Chris McFoley, not his best passing day by any means, you know, under 50% and everything. You know, his ability to create on the ground, he was the only guy, I think, over 100 yards for the Greenies that night. Um, just what was it about his, you know, his legs that really kind of threw North off? He had a great game with running the ball. Um, and between him and Frank Starks and, you know, Madrid Tucker ran a few times. I mean, they had like seven or eight different guys get carries. Yeah. But, it, like, I, I think he's able to do with his legs. And I, I wouldn't, you know, in terms of throwing, I think you, you had to be there. Like, because, you know, it, it's tough with the pressure that was coming out. Uh, at him, obviously, there were you know the pick six he he would have liked back, um, but yeah, it, it was it was a good performance. The the other thing I'd mention is he was cramping really bad at the end of the game, but he he really powered through it um, and, and carried that offense, especially in the fourth quarter when they were trying to chew clock. Um, he's stayed in there, hung in there, um, and he's only going to improve as the season gets on because you can see how much bigger and stronger he is this year, and you know he he made a lot of good decisions last week course and uh you know friday night was not the only night where we had action this last week um our game of the week was on thursday bishop Rowe hanging a 50 burger on port charlotte 56 to 21 seven of those points came in garbage time uh 14 of them in meaningful time and i think one was on a short field um kind of wish we had our editor ed reed here to talk about this one because you know Vero piled up the yards 570 yards of offense carter smith looked like carter smith i think Um, he used the term madden like yeah um but you know aside from everybody we know about already uh leroy roker uh has really kind of been an early surprise two picks in in the kickoff classic against laley two picks uh last thursday and he has an offensive touchdown in with that he got an offer from iowa this past week uh which I mean, that's a good little start for him, just being able to kind of make a splash early. I mean, he's playing safety. Um, You know, Vero got beat over the top a handful of times last year, and I think he kind of gives that secondary some speed and some athleticism in the back end that they kind of needed, you know, outside of Ryan Gadsden and and Jadrian Carmo, who's pretty quick out wide. Um, But, Dustin, I mean, this Vero team, and Dan, you can get in on this too if you want. I mean, just this defense seems vastly improved. Yeah, I mean, you know, just through one week, it's kind of tough to see a weakness. Uh, I was really, you know, wanted to see how they would stand up against a really physical Port Charlotte team, and and they really answered all the questions. Uh, Port Charlotte is a little one-dimensional on offense. Uh, They do have a new starting quarterback. He's a senior. He's a transfer from Venice, but he's never played varsity before. This is his first year playing varsity, so I I don't really think Port Charlotte was able to challenge Vero through the air, but... You kind of knew that Vero was going to be able to come up with a game plan, even though Portrait's very athletic on defense. You know, they were pressing their corners up, but they, they were able to just run whatever they wanted to run. And, you know, that's a really good sign for Vero, I think, going forward. If they can keep everyone healthy, you know, which is the big caveat, you know, it's really tough to see a team, you know, during the regular season, maybe Jesuit, but, you know, Vero really not being able to do basically what it wants to do against against the competition that it has scheduled so far of course and if you guys uh, remember the pick segment last week i am going it's a humble brag in the uh when we're talking about this game i said maddie turner could be in line for a big game five catches for 101 and two touchdowns uh for the senior in the slot uh dustin any other games that you're kind of 
you know, that kind of maybe eye-opening or maybe just uh, just ones that you thought were pretty interesting with the outcomes? Yeah, I thought the Gulf Coast-South Fort Myers game, Gulf Coast getting the win 21-14 to 14 in overtime, um, that's a game where I feel like both teams could have taken some positives out mm-hmm. of that. Gulf Coast has, you know, reigning district champions. Obviously, they had some questions with some seniors graduating, but holding on to get the win against a South team that we expect to be much improved. Um, it came down to kind of a jump ball uh, that Gulf Coast Caden Darity came coming up with the interception against Justin White, White who had a, a really great game, including a kickoff return. I, yeah, just something that you know both teams can start their seasons with you know a positive. Of course, the Wolfpack would have liked the win, but I, I think they're going to be in good shape. Dan, anything that kind of surprised you? Uh, well, I, I think it's just Dunbar continuing to show us that their preseason results just don't matter. Yeah. Uh, you know, they yeah. really did not look good against Port Charlotte. Charlotte, on the other hand, looked really good against Mariner. The you know Dunbar faces Charlotte; they shut them out thirty-four nothing. So I think, you know, while that offense I think is still going to be a work in progress, and, and you know, there's going to be some bumps, especially early. I, I think defensively, you know, uh, which is the norm for them, they're, they're going to be really tough. Uh, against everyone that they play. And I, I think just looking across at all the games, you know, week one, you always see some sloppy play. You always see some, you know, some conditioning issues. You always see penalties, all that stuff. But I think they were just really magnified in, in week one, especially at the Naples game that I was at. But also just looking at all the recaps of, of, of the games, it just seems like that kind of Regular season slow start might extend for, you know, an additional week. We might still see that in week two, maybe even in week three, just because practice time has been so limited uh, because of the heat and the rules around that. Of course. And last thing, you know, I'll say before we probably hit break here, Baron Collier, 41, St. Cloud, 12. Fun fact about this, uh, Mark Jackson in his time at Baron had never won back-to-back regular season openers. It was always loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Uh, he finally has won back-to-back regular season openers down at Barron. So just one of those interesting little nuggets. It's tough. And uh, after the break, we are going to make picks in our Week 2 games. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Come on! Welcome back. The final segment of this show, the pick segment. Uh, just to recap, last week, uh, Dustin Levy goes eight and two. Uh, I go nine and one, and Dan DeLuca goes ten and zero. Oh. Dan, uh, you said you wanted to retire. Uh, after, yeah, after Mr. This Perfect. Week. I think that's. Uh, I think we'll just retire. Uh, retire with that because nowhere to go but down now. Awesome. So you know, ten games here. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, two teams seeking their first win. Uh, Ida Baker going to Benita Springs. Uh, Dustin, I'll start it with you here. Uh, just your thoughts. I think I'm going to go with the Bulldogs here, and it's simply because um, basically for, from our recaps, it, Benita has some injury problems, and I just think the team that is healthier, has more healthy numbers, might come out with the win here. Um, I saw Baker in the preseason. They can move the ball on offense, so um, I, I think they're going to come away with the win. Dan? 
I'm going to go with Benita. I mean, they're at home. Um, they do have some injury issues. Uh, Baker, we kind of knew this was going to be a rebuilding year. They have some numbers issues. It's really a toss-up. And when I usually get into these toss-up situations, I, I usually go with the home team. So I'm going to go with Benita. I'm with Dan here. Benita, you know, I, I, it's just all it all hinges on Riley DeRemer. He re-aggravated his hamstring injury, and, and they're just decimated by injuries right now. Um, but Baker hasn't, you know, they've scored six points in eight quarters so far of action. And, and I think if I'm wrong, you know, those six points came in garbage time against Fort Myers. Um, so I'm going to take Benita. Next game on the slate, Bishop Row at Lehigh. This game was supposed to be uh, a certain outcome last year. I'll start it. Vero big here. I don't think, you know, anything controversial in saying that. I think Vero is going to handle business on the road. Dan? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, and, and for Lehigh, you know, it doesn't get much tougher as a new coach. You're starting with Naples and Vero. Um, I think they'll improve from these games, but Vero's just head and shoulders right now above not just Lehigh, but, you know, most of the teams in our area. So Vero's the pick. Dustin, tell me why uh, Dorian Mallory gets it done. Uh, I, I just don't have that for you right now. I'm going with the Vikings. Figured that'd be the case. Uh, you know, Vero's is too complete. Uh, game three on the slate, East Lee at Astero. Definitely two teams that Eastley's kind of on the up and up. Uh, Astero has got to find its identity and, and be able to score points. Uh, they've scored 17 points over eight quarters so far. I'm not really sure what to make of that. Dan, I'll start it with you, and then I'll make the pick. Jags or Wildcats? I'm going to go with Estero. Uh, again, I think this is a it's a close game. Eastley looked good at times against Mariner. Estero was going against you know First Baptist team that still still looks pretty good, but uh, home team. I'm going to go with Estero. Ah, yeah, it is tricky because I'm very bullish on this Eastley team compared to years past. Um, Estero missed a lot of open field tackles uh, Friday night. Tackling was an issue more so than the depth problems. They looked fine. They didn't look tired uh, this this week or, you know, compared to uh, the kickoff classic. I'm also going to take Estero. I just think they're due for a win, and I think they're going to get it here. Um, but I could very easily see Eastley winning this one. It's going to be a one-score game either way. Yeah, this really feels like an important early game for both squads. Yeah, it does. I, I, it's tough. I look at Eastley, I see a team with a ton of talent. Um but Estero on their side of the ball, they have you know experience with Darren Nelson, and it's a tricky call. But I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Yep, Laz Rogers, a key player to watch. Estero did not stop Sam Sparacio in the backfield, 11 yards a carry. Um, Laz Rogers could be a line for a big game, but we'll see. Uh, next game on the slate, Island Coast going to ECS. A weird matchup, private versus public, um, especially given ECS also played a public school last week. Not really sure what to think of this one. I'll start first. I'm going to go with ECS just because they've, they're the more proven team up to this point. Island Coast still, um, you know, they've got a couple questions outside of Javaris Leapart, who actually had a pretty nice little game last week. Um, but I'm going to take ECS at home on their turf. Dustin, your thoughts? Uh, nine consecutive regular season wins for the Sentinels. Uh, I think that's what sways me here. Okay, Dan. Yeah, I'm going to go with ECS also, and uh, good on ECS. I, I mean, they got a little criticism last year uh, with their regular season schedule. You know, they they went undefeated in the regular season, but it was kind of like, well, you know, who really did they play? I mean, they've upgraded the schedule. Palmetto Ridge last week, you know, Island Coast this week, um, but I think they're going to get the win. Of course. Uh, next game on the slate. Uh, Dillard going to Naples. Uh, Dillard, a team that has historically been good in Broward County, um, not really 
in the fold as a top 10 team this year, uh, kind of hovering around uh, high 10s, low 20s. Uh, Miami Herald's got them ranked number 19. Uh, you know, Dustin, Dillard, or Naples here? Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Dillard, um, but I do think that Naples team has still has lingering questions, even after, you know, the win over Lehigh. So I'm going to take Dillard, um, and I, I think, you know, this might be the kind of game that, you know, Naples can kind of improve on. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not sure what to expect. Last week in Week 2, they failed to win. Do they uh, win in Week 2 this year, Dan? Uh, yeah, I think they do. I think uh, Naples will win. Uh, they're at home. Uh, always tough to beat Naples at Staver Field. And I think they had enough issues at Lehigh where Rick Martin's really going to have their attention this week and have, have them ready to go. And I think you'll see a much better performance. As uh, Uncle Luke told uh, former Naples Daily News reporter Adam Fisher a couple of years ago, convenience store refs. So uh, maybe you're playing two teams down there. But uh, Naples they ran for 500 yards last week and they hadn't done that uh in seven years 2016 against island coast is the last time they ran for 500 plus in a game i'm gonna take naples i just think dillard's a little too down um and i and i think as this naples team gets more quarters and experience under its belt they're gonna be good by the end of the year um this is a good game for them to do that i'm gonna take the golden eagles uh next game on the slate gulf coast at laley both teams want to know Kind of teams in maybe the middle in Collier County. Um, I'll start here. Uh, Laley's run game, it's really good. Uh, Javian Tantalus is, is one to watch. He ran for over 205 touchdowns last week. Um, I'm going to take the Trojans. Dan? Yeah, the same. I, I think Laley's offense a little more explosive. Um, you kind of saw Gulf Coast in, in a back and forth, you know, close game with South Fort Myers last week, went to overtime. I think Laley has too many weapons on offense. I, I think they'll win. Dustin, can Gulf Coast kind of – limit Laley here and, and kind of stay in this one it's, a, it's another tricky call and uh, it's kind of similar to the Eastley Astera one team with you know a lot of explosive talent Javian Tantalus you mentioned for Laley and the experience that uh, Gulf Coast brings with uh, some of their players and Todd Nichols I'm gonna go with the Sharks on this one okay that's a good pick there so you you like the uh, the defensive line play of Gulf Coast who actually kind of did a good job last week uh, against South uh, next game on the slate, uh, a private school showdown. Canterbury at SFCA. It's the Roy Stabler game here. Dan, we're going to start it with you. Um, your thoughts on this one and maybe where it falls. Yeah, I think uh, this is definitely one that SFCA has circled, even especially Roy, uh, defense coordinator last year at Canterbury, and he's going to have the kids ready to go, and I think SFCA wins it. Yeah, that's I mean that's kind of where I'm leaning here. Austin Christian made his first start for Canterbury. Um, you know, not his best game, but he's obviously an eighth grader, and, and it was his first game. Uh, final line for him was 10 of 15 for 53 yards, four carries for negative 25 yards. That's just not going to cut it. Eli Moore's better quarterback on the field. Uh, I'm going to take SFCA. Dustin? Yeah, Canterbury kids had this game circle too, um, but I'm going to go with the Kings um, for, like you said, uh, Eli Moore. He's been there, done that, obviously has a lot of experience, and I think he's going to lead his team to a win course game number eight out of ten Riverdale at South Fort Myers another game kind of with uh with a little bit of I guess symmetry uh Corey May is on the Riverdale staff uh he is the son of Willis May um who is the head coach at South Fort Myers so a little bit of symmetry and a lot of those Riverdale coaches were on Willis May's staff a couple years ago um so Dustin gonna bring it back to you Riverdale South could be a close game here I mean you just overall your thoughts and in a pick 
Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I, I think South had a lot of positives uh, to take from that week one game against Gold Coast. I mean, they limited the Sharks to 14 points in regulation. Uh, Justin White had a good game. Victor Jenkins had a good game. Uh, I, I like them to win this at home. Going to circle back to you, Dan. I mean, uh, Raiders or Wolfpack? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll go with South. Uh, you know, they had real opportunities against Gulf Coast, kind of let that one get away. Riverdale put up some yards, uh, you know, with that with that offense uh, against Laley, but really struggled on defense. I think South will put it together this week, get a win. Yeah, at home, I like South. Um, they're just too, I think they're just too hungry for a win right now. And, you know, Willis May hates losing, and, and I think we all know that. So I think he's going to get them right this week. So I'm going to take the Wolf Pack. Game number nine, I think this is a game where we can question, does the streak end for Dunbar? Uh, 17 in a row right now, I believe. Uh, so I'm going to start with the pick here, Dunbar at North Fort Myers. Um, it does not end this week. Uh, Dunbar's defense uh, and the playmakers they've got out wide, I think it's going to be too much for a North team that just couldn't get the big play. You know, I'm not sure how to feel about Andre Devine at receiver. I think he's a guy who you might want to have in the backfield to create and get the ball in his hands. We'll see if that changes this week, but I'm going to take the Tigers, Dustin. I'm also going to go with Dunbar. Um, similar to what you said, um, just with North not being able to kind of hit that big play, that's going to be even harder to do against a Dunbar defense. Although I will say these games have been historically yeah. throw the records out the window. <laughs> it's going to get messy. Um, but I, I do like Dunbar to get the win here. North nearly had their number last year in the playoffs, Dan. Are they amped up enough to pick it uh, to get redemption on that game? Uh, I think they'll be ready. I think it'll be a good game, but I, I just like that Dunbar defense. Um, you know, both teams have questions on the offensive line. I, I think Dunbar will figure out a way to, you know, stop Adrian Stone enough so that he doesn't totally wreck the game. I think he'll be there making plays in the backfield, though. Uh, Dunbar, I think, has a little bit too much talent on that side of the ball and uh, a little more explosive, j- just more weapons than North. North has weapons. I think Dunbar has, has a little bit more, a little more experience, and that'll make the difference. Dunbar will win, but I think it'll be a one score game definitely going to be a close game uh could qualify for game of the week you know any other week just because of how tense the rivalry is but our game of the week this week going down to collier county immokalee at golden gate um going to be a good game dawson i'll start it with you i mean both teams had pretty impressive week one wins and just the fashion that they won their games um you know who you got here uh redwood or golden gate pretty high on Golden Gate this year. Um, I saw them in the spring, and they, they just looked strong. And obviously that run game has been really impressive, uh, going over 300 yards between John Lee Honorad and, and Sam Powell last week in their win over Victory Christian, 26-7. to um, So I, I like them to take this. Dan? Yeah, I agree. I think Golden Gate, they, they've been kind of pointing toward this year. You know, they want to kind of move up that the Collier County rankings, and this would be a good way to do that again and gets a pretty good Immokalee team. But I think Golden Gate gets it done. Definitely one of the weirder games. I think both teams had questionable quarterback play last week. You know, Trainon Villarreal throws three picks, but he throws for a buck seventy. Uh, Sam Powell completes just one of ten passes for forty yards and a touchdown. Both teams had their way on the ground. Uh, Golden Gate ran for two fifty. Uh, while Immokalee ran for 343. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a battle of the trenches. Uh, I kind of like Immokalee on the road just because uh, of the more consistent play. Um, But, 
uh, Golden Gate is just a better team. Hamakali's got questions in their secondary. Uh, Booker quarterback threw for 270 against them. I'm going to take Golden Gate at home. I just think um, they're going to have their way on the line. All right, and that wraps up the pick segment. Be sure to go to news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports uh, for high school football content this week. I mean, our timeline didn't really get uh, changed because of Idalia, but some stuff did. Um, so just kind of keep be on the lookout for that stuff to drop uh, later in the week. You know, for the guys, you know, you can follow Dustin Levy at Dustin B. Levy. You can follow Dan DeLuca at News Press Dan, and you can follow me at NP underscore Alex Martin. Uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully not talking about hurricanes affecting the area, and uh, hopefully we can talk about some uh, games. That was Season 6, Episode 3 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.